This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. AI, graphics, and scientific computing. All things GPU at GTC 18. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening in to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell. That's Michael Feldman. Michael, it was NVIDIA's GPU Technology Conference, or GTC, this week, and we had a lot to cover there. Yeah, they didn't announce any big new architectures, but they did a lot of announcements about a lot of different products and uh, software stacks and the whole gamut. So uh, let's get right to it. They they kicked off the conference with uh, Jensen Wang announcing some pretty significant hardware announcements during the opening uh, keynote. Yeah, and right away, I'll say that I like that they started with graphics. NVIDIA's heritage is, is as a graphics company, and we're talking about GPUs here, and it's a little outside our HPC and AI space and hyperscale space, but I loved the strong message with graphics right out of the shoot with some great uh, demos of ray tracing and photorealistic graphics with a new product called NVIDIA RTX, which is based on their Quadro GV100. Just some really beautiful ray tracing demos. And then from there, really got into the scientific computing, the AI, robotics, self-driving cars, and the whole uh, gamut of applications that GPU computing is now addressing. I think the highlight that most people were talking about was a platform called the DGX2, which they build as the world's largest GPU. Now, as part of that, they've got an upgrade to the Tesla V100, where they doubled the memory to 32 gigabytes. So that in itself is a bit of a bump in the Tesla V100. But then this DGX2 platform couple 16 of those Tesla V100 32 gigabytes connected by a new NV switch that they have that networks them together. There are, of course, some Intel Xeon Platinums in there as, as kind of a host, but it's a 16 to 2 or 18 to 1 ratio. And that on-chip memory fabric uh, semantic extends across all of the GPUs. It combines for 512 gigabytes of HBM2 memory with 14.4 terabytes a second of aggregate bandwidth, 81,920 CUDA cores, and that adds up to two petaflops of tensor performance. Right. I think that was their, their sort of their biggest product announcement with that DGX2. And like you said, it incorporates sort of their two other announcements, their hardware announcement, which was the doubling of memory on the V100 and this new NV Link Switch, they call NV Switch. Um, it's a very interesting product, the DGX2. It's, uh, they, they talked about it, like you said, as, as a big GPU itself, but it's made up of 16. It's just that they use this switch to have this sort of memory coherent uh, shared memory space of, of, the, uh, of all the HBM2 uh, onboard chips and gives it 512, basically half a half a terabyte of, uh, of memory. Very interesting and very powerful machine. It's not just twice as powerful as the DGX1 because it has twice as many chips. They actually were able to derive, you know, as much as 10 times performance out of it because of this switch and because of some of the other upgrades they've done in the software stack. 
Right. It's it's not that it's really one GPU. They've got a whole system around it, and it's a robust system. I was impressed they actually gave a price on it, $399,000 available in Q3. Jensen made the point repeatedly, the more you buy, the more money you (laughs) save. That was kind of his mantra throughout his keynote for for all of the different segments, whether it was AI or HPC or hyperscale. The more you buy, the more money you save. But this DGX2, you you look at it, they talked about it as as like a a supercomputer or an AI machine. To me, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking it's a workstation. It's the biggest, most powerful workstation I've ever seen. You know, it's it's got all these GPUs in it. It's this huge honking beast. I don't see it as a cluster node where people are going to string together bunches of them. And they more or less admitted that it's targeted more to the AI side of the house than the HPC side of the house. They talked about those petaflops of tensor performance. That's going to be a lot lower if you translate it to a double precision floating point uh, flops. That's going to be just a, a, a lower uh, performance metric. And I think there aren't so many HPC applications that can take advantage of that 8 to 1 or 16 to 2 C, uh, GPU to CPU ratio. But still, for, from an AI standpoint, uh, it's, it's a pretty intense platform. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, I don't think uh, any HPC shops are going to buy this as as a traditional HPC platform. I mean, there's going to be really less expensive platforms with maybe less GPUs and a little different configuration out there that are not geared towards uh, this high ratio of machine uh, of, of GPUs to, to CPUs, as well as um, the NV link capability, which is a little bit secondary to uh, a lot of HPC. Now, we should say the NV link capability is in the Summit and Sierra supercomputers that are going to come out right. uh, this this summer. So that's going to be sort of a feature of that. And that's, they're going to end up doing a lot of you know, deep learning uh, slash machine learning on those those supercomputers as well. So it's, it's not quite uh, one or the other. But yeah, this is very much a deep learning uh, machine. It's geared towards that this market. And I think there are, they are going to get quite a few buyers out. And I think actually there's going to be some people that are going to try and string a few together. They did have the capability to connect uh, multiple boxes through either InfiniBand or, or 100 gig Ethernet. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if NVIDIA builds its own uh, big system like they built the Saturn systems last year out of the, uh, the older V100s and come up with a actually very impressive big machine to do some uh, uh, – a sort of cloud-like, uh, like a cloud-like platform for a lot of different users. So um, it's it's going to be, I think, going to have some legs, and it'll be interesting to see how many commercial users actually pick up on this and 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 plunk down the four hundred thousand buy one. Oh, I think they will find buyers for that, and I think you're right. They will b- continue to build these things for themselves internally. They they said publicly that that was a big part of their strategy was to build these things for themselves first. But just because this particular configuration targets AI doesn't mean that they were ignoring HPC at this show. In fact, on my Twitter handle, at Addison Snell, you can see one of Jensen's slides where he talked about, the had a direct quote, science needs supercharged computers. And that was a big theme for HPC. Ian Buck in a later session talked about how HPC was still a major core focus for GPU computing. And that stood out to me in contrast to the messaging we got from 
IBM at Think and even the Open Power Summit where they were looking, sure, at hyperscale, but mostly enterprise computing. And, and I couldn't find uh, real scientific computing messaging. Even for Summit and Sierra at IBM, they talked about those exclusively as AI systems. And, you know, come on, let's let's not give away all of high-performance computing so <laughs> easily. So I, I was really pleased that NVIDIA built that into their messaging. Yeah, and one of the other uh, scientific applications they talked about at, at GTC was something that, that NVIDIA came up with called Project Claire. And this is a medical... They, they dubbed it a medical imaging supercomputer. And what it really is, it's a, it's a software stack or set of software that is deep learning based, but applied to uh, NVIDIA chips based in a, a remote cloud. They can do all sorts of very interesting medical imagery post-processing and create uh, from sort of this noisy, blurry medical images, some really nice cinematic renderings with a lot of interesting information for uh, for uh, physicians and doctors on on all sorts of images like x-rays ultra scans cts mris where you name it um and they sort of put this thing together now they didn't come up with the um software itself nvidia didn't but they put it together and they're using their virtual gpu capability to host this thing in a cloud-like environment so that doctors hospitals clinics can tap into this and send those scans that they have on maybe 15 or even 20 year old instruments and all of a sudden get very good quality uh, renderings out of uh, sort of very noisy images that are hard to interpret. Yeah, that was a very cool part of the demo and goes to show that this deep learning and HPC, those aren't mutually exclusive. There are a lot of areas where deep learning or, or machine learning techniques can enhance something that's an HPC application. And I think the demos there were some of the most worthwhile ones to actually watch how those demos work. If you can go back and get a stream of Jensen's keynote, uh, I, I really enjoyed the project, Clara, and showing a lot of what's now possible with the, the GPU computing and the combination of, of HPC and deep learning. As far as the AI goes, another theme that they really hammered home was this acronym they bandied about called PLASTER, which right. seemed a little uh, hacked together to have seven things that, that they wanted to track with AI. But they were quite serious about it when they talk about people with with deep learning that that you might up the throughput, but you sacrifice accuracy. They said there are seven points that you really have to keep your eye on optimizing all of them. And they went by the acronym PLASTER, although some of us who are good at anagrams suggested they could have also used STAPLER. But PLASTER stood for uh, uh, P, programmability, L, latency, A, accuracy, S, size, T, throughput, E, energy efficiency, and R, rate of learning, plaster. And you have to do all seven of those things with your deep learning algorithms, and it's not worthwhile to give up on one to get more of the other. Right. That was the other big takeaway. Jensen wanted to, to get out to the crowd along with the, the running joke of, uh, you know, the more you, the more you buy, the, the more you save. So yeah, that was that was sort of a theme for him, and he came up with that clever little acronym. Although for the life of me, after he said it, I couldn't remember any of the words because it was too many things to remember. I wrote them down. Yeah, you had to write them down. But that that was sort of an interesting thing. I mean, the other thing that was that's nice about GTC, Nvidia devotes a lot of time to to startup companies, which is not really uh, surprising in 
with their focus on AI and deep learning. And there were there were a number of companies uh, this year, as in years past, that really had some interesting uh, interesting products and services. I know you talked to to one, and I covered another. Why don't, why don't you talk about the one that you got interested in? Yeah, you're right. There was a lot of momentum around GTC. First of all, they had 8,500 GTC registrations this year. They were talking about 8 million CUDA downloads in aggregate that they've gotten right. to, and they've really built out this whole partner uh, ecosystem. I ta- I spent a, a little bit of time with a company called Liquid, L-I-Q-I-D, so it doesn't have a U in it, Liquid, and it actually has nothing to do with liquid cooling. It is a what they call themselves a composable infrastructure company, the basic idea being that in Iraq you can put trays of components, trays of CPUs, trays of GPUs, trays of SSDs, and those all connect into a PCI fabric uh, that, that basically gives you a, a sense of virtualized bare metal hardware where you can now reconfigure servers with different ratios of all of these components on the fly in increments of half racks. And the the basic notion is to make things more efficient. If you're just trying out AI, you might not need to put four GPUs into every server to start. You might have four or eight or 16 of them in the top of the rack and reconfigure them in different ratios into different servers at different times in order to make your virtualized infrastructure more efficient over that PCIe fabric. So I thought they were pretty interesting. Uh, who did you meet with? Yeah, well, the company that, that I thought was was pretty interesting was uh, one that I hadn't heard of before called fastdata.io. Um, it's at a data analytics company, basically. That's their their focus, but it's GPU powered. It's not they they're not building GPU systems per se, but they have a a software platform that basically accelerates all sorts of data analytics applications and to to the tune of you know an order of magnitude or two faster than what you would normally get with uh, a CPU based system. And they they use sort of an Apache type environment to do this, and they're their main focus is on stream analytics. So stuff coming in, uh, data coming in from like IoT devices in real time and other real time streams to to process things sort of on the fly. Um, so it's in a nutshell, they use something called the FDIO, I guess, which is fast data IO engine, which basically leverages the parallel computing capabilities, the GPU to accelerate the streaming data processing. They don't go into exactly how they do it. Some of it, I'm sure, is proprietary, but they take advantage of certain uh, standards that uh, that have been set up called the GPU data frame standard to make the process more efficient. Um, so they just started out there just getting some seed funding from a couple of companies now. NVIDIA GPU Ventures, the, the venture arm of NVIDIA, actually invested in them about a year ago, and I think they they contributed a little more to the seed funding, but they've raised $5 million from uh, a couple of other venture capitalists called Crosscut and Pelion Venture Partners. So they're basically just starting this out. And at the uh, conference, they were demonstrating their FDIO engine. So they're sort of off to a running start with a little bit of money now to to back them up. 
One last note from GTC. We did get to spend a little bit of time with Bill Daly, the CTO there, and he was emphasizing that NVIDIA also puts a lot of emphasis on research into long-term projects. Uh, it's not just about development and the near-term thing. Now, other companies do research. Of course, Intel does research and IBM does research, but NVIDIA is a smaller company, and it was nice to see this focus as well. He said there are two fundamental questions they ask before approving research projects. One is to make sure that it's really research and not development. They already have a lot of people on development, so research should really be research. And the second is, does it have to, anything to do with NVIDIA, <laughs> right? They could they go research lots of things that aren't things that NVIDIA would eventually build. So, uh, But if it's, if it's pure research in NVIDIA, uh, then it's likely to get a green light. And they have nine different groups doing research, five that are on what he calls the supply side in circuits, VLSI, architecture, networks, and programming systems, three on what he calls the demand side, graphics, uh, perception and learning and robotics, and then a, a ninth group that's just integration and moonshots to look at uh, other types of ideas. So that was a, a, a nice, uh, a nice uh, final session for me to get as part of GTC. Yeah, and that's good to hear that uh, that a company, even as relatively small as NVIDIA is, although it's a lot bigger than it used to be, is uh, is engaging in that sort of basic research for uh, for the company. Good to hear, and uh, glad you, glad that Bill Daly's there to sort of trumpet the uh, the work. All right, Michael. Well, that was all things GPU at GTC 18, a, another good conference, a strong conference series put on by NVIDIA. Absolutely. All right. Thanks a lot, Michael, and thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.